Uh, how many of you have heard of Ancestry.com? <laughs> we haven't heard that advertised anywhere, have we? AncestryDNA.com. How many have heard of the television reality shows? I think uh, one of them is called Who Do You Think You Are? Which is going back to the roots. People go back to um, maybe some of the uh, original places where forefathers uh, were at. Maybe even a country that might go to Europe and investigate that, go to the town hall or whatever and check on their forefathers, look up all the records. And that's become quite a big deal. And uh, maybe some of you have become interested in that too. Uh, maybe not. I, th- I think there's another show called Long Lost Family. Uh, have you heard that too? And so there, there it is, people looking for that. Of course, the Mormons have done it for years. I'm not commending them, but they have some of the greatest genealogies that anybody could ever have. I mean, they, they really searched that out. Um, perhaps uh, we've done that. Maybe we've searched back for a hundred years or so, or maybe even uh, a couple of three centuries, even possibly. And of course, some go back to, like I know where we were at in Taos. A lot of people could trace back into, you know, Germany, uh, grandparents or even parents who had moved from there to here. And of course, I think Taos, I think Westphalia, and, and, and all the surrounding communities that you don't have to go back too far to find out people who weren't raised up here, you know, in different countries. And, of course, they can chase that and find out uh, some people. And some people are actually famous that you, you could actually say, hey, uh, I'm related to Davy Crockett. You know, well, so uh, I'm related to Daniel Boone. Mm-hmm. And that could be possible because they came through. Uh, I think Daniel Boone came through. We have Boone County, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, there's different reasons why people do those genealogies. Some do it just for fun. And uh, some are because they're, they're interested and, and it's entertaining. It, it, it's a hobby, uh, maybe. I think some people can get really obsessed by it and that's what their whole life is about. Some have become so disconnected with uh, their family and, and just everybody else that they look at this to try to get in touch with their past heritage. Um, so anyway, there, there's a lot of different reasons. I think some people are just curious. Um, I would say it's probably natural to kind of want to know, you know, kind of who you came from. I mean, that's that's there. I mean, there, there are a lot of good things about it, so I'm not really blasting it. And what I'm doing is setting this up because when you look at the, the subject of genealogy, it's very interesting today as far as the masses are concerned. So it's not really a boring subject, right? I'm, see, I, I'm setting this up. When you think of genealogies though in the Bible, what's the first thing that you think of? Uh, I think I'll move on and go to the next section. I'm honest. I've done that before. I've seen this before. Okay, let's go on. Uh, And as interesting as genealogies might be with all the dot-coms, the Bible genealogies don't seem to be too interesting to most people. I'm not... You know, cutting down God's word. Matter of fact, I, I, what we're going to do today is lift it up. <laughs> so, uh, just stay with me if you can. Um, it may seem rather unimportant and, and boring sometimes. And I know what you're thinking now, and you're thinking, "Oh no, he's not going to preach on a genealogy on a Sunday morning, <laughs> is he?" And he might try to do something like on a, on a Tuesday night Bible study, but not on Sunday morning. 
Surely not. He wouldn't be that crazy to do that, would he? Would he do that? And especially on a Sunday morning where the time has changed and we lost an hour and we're already sleepy and tired and now we have a genealogy that could really put us to sleep here, right? Well, that's the challenge that we're going to have today. I want to say, hang on. Uh, I don't want to put anybody to sleep, and in a hurry especially, but I will say, even though genealogies don't seem exciting, there's going to be some, some surprises in here today for us. Okay? Hang on with that. If we stay awake, and if we pay attention... <laughs> There's some nuggets of gold in this section. Believe me, whenever I was first thinking of it, starting on Sunday night, I'm thinking, okay, what's our text? So that's the first thing I do is start thinking about the text, and I read it, and I go, do I really want to make a whole week of this, or I just kind of want to slide by and go into the next text, which is the temptation of Christ, which is actually what Matthew did and um, Mark did. Mm. I mean, they they went from Jesus being uh, where he was. God's the Father says, "My beloved Son," right? And the next thing you know, he's being led out into the wilderness, being tempted. Matthew does that. Mark does that. Luke doesn't do that. He has one little section before he goes to the temptation of Christ. <laughs> And so it's like, okay, we have to deal with this. What am I going to do? And as, as I thought about it, as you know, Monday came by, I said, well, how can I do a whole message on this? Have I ever done a whole message on it? Does anybody ever remember? Okay, I got away with that one. All right. I'm not sure. Um, I will tell you, it's worth the digging. So as, as the week went on, by Tuesday I was settled, okay, we're going, we're going to do this one text. Somehow we're going to do this. I know there's a lot of information here. We just have to kind of to work at it. So I want you to think on this. This is the culmination of humanity from God through Abraham, through David, all the way down to Jesus. All the way to that time. He's the culmination of human history, isn't he? That's where human history is really shooting for. Israel's history is there. He's the fulfillment of God's redemption. His whole plan, His eternal plan, He's the fulfillment of that. He's the culmination, actually, of who has ever lived in this world. He's the culmination of that. He's the hope of all humanity, isn't He? Christ is. And all of humanity is eternally connected to Him. And in this genealogy, we'll see that. We see that He's the Son of Man, who is the Son of God. And when you start thinking about that, we see, of course, He was born like people are born, in a little bit different way, but at the same time, He's identified with us, we're identified with Him, all of humanity is. The fate of everybody in the history of mankind, the fate of their lives is linked to Christ. That's what we're going to look at today in this genealogy. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your very precious truth. And in a text that would normally not be something that 
we would spend a lot of time on. At the same time, we know there is depth in the seemingly least of all sections, the least of all verses, and really there is none that's least. Every word of yours is precious. It's all true. Help us as we look at this and to be able to glean some real nuggets out of this today so that it will bless us, that it will help us have our lives changed a little bit further so that we are actually in the very image of Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, I don't really know whether I'm even going to read all of these names here today. Uh, we might do a few, but I'm not going to go down and tell about each one because we don't know. <laughs> um, that's not the point that we're going to do today. Um, but as we have worked our way through the Gospel of Luke, we've been examining the eyewitness accounts, haven't we? That's what Luke does. He gives eyewitness accounts. He went back into Israel and Jerusalem and Galilee. He went all over the land getting facts together putting it all together so that Theophilus would have a great package, a source to draw from and know that this is true. The Son of Man, the Son of God, this Messiah, it's all about Him. So what he did, he, he went and examined these witnesses He's written this down. We examine it from week to week. We know that Zechariah was a witness. Uh, he is one who was having a, a great testimony, not only about his son John the Baptist, but it really pointed to the Messiah. Of course, that brings in Elizabeth, who is a witness of Christ. These are tremendous truths, really, as they await the Messiah. And he was coming right on the scene. Anna and Simeon. We think of the angels, right? The shepherds. They all bear witness. Testimonial proofs, if we may, of the Messiah. He has credentials. And Luke has been building upon those. And last week, then we had the proof of God Himself. God the Father. God the Holy Spirit. God the Father says... He is one who I am well pleased with. And the dove then descends upon Jesus. And the Trinity was involved there as He got ready to leave and to be led by the Holy Spirit so that He'd be tempted by the devil and his sin. And we'll, we'll get into that. Can you imagine being led by God that you would be tempted? Now God tempts no one here. And he never makes anyone sin. That'll be interesting to see, you know, that the Holy Spirit did that. Why is that? Why would God do that? Well, testimonial proofs are very significant that we've seen so far, right? In that last one we did, I mean, the voice of God coming down out of heaven so that the people that were there at this baptism, they see Jesus baptized and the voice of God is speaking. Wonder what that sounded like. That's had to be incredible. Significant credentials. I think we've seen enough. But there's another one. And it's where we're at today. Because he is in the line of David. And if he's not in the line of David, is every Jew in the line of David? No. 
That was one tribe out of twelve. So you have a one-twelfth of a chance that even a chance of being a Messiah. Right? But you have to come through that line. One-twelfth is about like 8%. An 8% chance. Now, that doesn't make you the Messiah, but you for sure have to be that. So this case just keeps building up and building up and we come to something that seems like not a great big deal, but it's a huge deal because if he's not from this tribe, if he's not from the line of David specifically, he's a liar. He's not the Messiah. That's all it takes. If somebody can prove that he doesn't come from that line, they could shut it down like that. And that would be all the religious leaders. Even the, the disciples would, you know, would have known someone along the line. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He, he's not from that line. How can he be the Messiah? They would have questioned that. This is another link. In these testimonial proofs, I want to tell you, Luke is very, very good at amassing the historical story and the proofs of Jesus the Messiah. And you've seen it so far. And he has another one. He says, oh, by the way, before we go into this next one, right after, you know, about the being, you know, uh, this is my son, this is the Son of God, after God has said that, Luke says, wait a minute, we have to put this in here now. Son of God. Son of man. He's relating to both. Now, for Jesus to be a king, you have to have a genealogy. If a priest is going to be a priest, he has to have a genealogy, doesn't he? And so, king, priest, and the ones that would be anointed, they, uh, you know, they'd have to prove that hey, they're legitimate. They come from that. So this is a proof of his lineage as we uh, look at this section today. So if he would not have come from this line, he would have been dismissed. There would have been no more story. There would have been no Gospels. No New Testament. If this is not true. It would have been as simple as that. That's how important this genealogy is. Now, does that help build it up a little bit? We haven't gone to sleep yet. We're doing pretty good, aren't we? Okay, Dennis, though. To do a whole sermon on genealogy, what you've just said is good. Now let's go on to chapter 3, or chapter 4. Why a sermon on genealogy? Well, this is to show why the Holy Spirit put this here. This is important. It's important. Okay, it is important. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, he has to be. All the names. Yeah, I'm afraid if I try to read them, I'll just stumble all over them. I mean, you see them before you, don't you? Start in verse 23. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. Being as was supposed to the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Mathot, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph. On down. Just keeps on going. Okay, what, what are we doing here? Okay, you're saying it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. It has to be put here. 
Holy Spirit makes sure that it is put in this place and Luke agrees. It's put there right after God the Father has given His witness of Jesus. To the Jews, why was Ancestry.com so important to them? AncestryDNA.com Why? Well, they didn't have the dot-coms, but Ancestry sure was important. They kept amazing records in their genealogies. Why? First of all, if you made a claim on a piece of land, it's going to depend upon your tribe. The original tribal allocation was given whenever the children of Israel went into the Promised Land. And you remember how God divvied it up for each one of them? So if you're dealing with land, this is really important. And that's what they would have in their records. Secondly, it was the rights of inheritance. The inheritance, uh, like we say, okay, property, uh, servants, uh, the estate, uh, cattle, uh, whatever, the right to the crops. The validity of your claim depends upon your genealogy. Sounds really quite a legal system, doesn't it? And I think anybody that's in the legal profession would say, hey, that is tight. (laughs) Right, Audrey? If you have these kind of specific records put down, it's it's about legal things here. The basis of taxation. The basis of taxation, that is a, a reason... For these, these genealogies would take people back to where they're taxed, would take them back to where their heritage went to, where the ancestors had, had started. Like, if you are from the line of David, David was from where? Bethlehem. So why was it that Joseph and Mary, who lived all the way up, 90 miles, 100 miles away from there, have to travel all the way to Bethlehem. Well, their tax taxes and, and the government of the Romans had that, but also the nation of Israel says, here's where you go. The records are here. This is where we store the records of the, the family of David all the way up to this time. You mean they had those records? Yeah. Sure do. And at this time, now they have Joseph and Mary. Jesus is there. House of bread is what Bethlehem means. It should mean something when we take uh, communion, Lord's Supper. The bread. The house of bread. That's Jesus. He fulfilled that. But He still has to come through this place where He's going to be born. It was already prophesied that He was going to be born uh, in Bethlehem. Smallest of places there, but boy, how accurate that prophecy is. Um, of course, uh, anyone claims to be a king, a messiah, then they have to be having that royal pedigree. So the genealogical records that they have are kept up to date and they are done precise, perfectly. And I want to tell you something. It's kind of interesting. They had that going, and then all of a sudden, back around the time of Babylon, people were deported and they were exiled. And really, a lot of people, uh, the Jews in Israel, were kind of—they kind of lost a little bit of their 
drive and even the heritage that they had, but the records were, were there. But you'll remember, in 70 years later, some of them went back to their homeland. And when they went back, they built the temple, they built the walls, they built Jerusalem. Out of nothing, it was just rubble. Ezra and Nehemiah give those accounts and we find that guess what? The genealogies are restored. They're there. They go all the way back and there we have back to Abraham. And hey, even further. What do we have here? Well, we have records that were being kept, put back together. The historian Josephus, who did not become a Christian, but was a Jewish historian, a very good one at that. We can go back and look at what he said about things during the time of Christ. That's when he lived. He said that they kept historical genealogical records as a matter of public availability. It was open to all the public. It was called the Sunshine Law. <laughs> I think it might have been free. Well, there was a time of the diaspora, and this is when a lot of the Jews started going out into the Greek. Boy, those are getting to be pretty big uh, flakes out there, right, Stan? Look at that. The, you know, they they saw they saw flakes about this big coming down earlier. Now look, that's what's going to happen. But you know what? It's not sticking too good so far. Okay. Is it genealogy? How long is this going to be, Dennis? I want to make sure to get home. Well, the people scattered. They were all over, all over the, the world. And when one would have a child, and let's say they're way out in Rome somewhere, they have a child. Well, how are they going to get into the record? You know what they'd do? They would send that public record back to the city of where it's supposed to be. So if you were in the line of David, guess what? You would make sure that that record, somehow through the Pony Express or Camel Express, no, you make sure that it gets to Jerusalem or those particular cities in Israel where it be. This is how important this was. So I'm saying to the Jew, when you say genealogy, they go, yeah, what, what? I mean, they are ready. You know, they, they, they know what it means. So uh, the, the, the family was kept as far as the records are concerned. Those records were kept together until 70 A.D. You had the temple destroyed. You had Jerusalem destroyed, burned up, nothing but rubble. Titus of the Romans did that. And Jesus made statements that that was going to happen, and it did. That was about um, less than 40 years after he was here, after his resurrection. So the records really were destroyed. But it doesn't matter because Christ, who is the Son of Man, who is the Son of God, puts you in the order and the records that he has. Of course, he has the Lamb's Book of Life, doesn't he? So, why did Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem in the first place? 
Well, even though we know this, this might make even more sense now. Bethlehem was the place that David was from. If one was in the line of David, one would have to go to the village that they were from originally for tax purposes. It was necessary. They, Joseph and Mary had to go there. It was no choice. And so was Jesus. Jesus winds up being born there. Hence the story of the birth of Jesus. And that should make even more sense as we look at this genealogy. The Jews kept very careful genealogical records. And I want you to think about Luke must have found these genealogies in Bethlehem. Him being the historian that he is, he doesn't do hearsay, does he? He verifies facts. Wouldn't he want, if, if Bethlehem was like, what, six miles, four miles from Jerusalem, wouldn't you want to just trek on down there and kind of see for yourself, kind of poke around in those public records? Oh yeah. And so he sees Joseph, Mary, grandfather, great-grandfather. He sees it traced all the way on back. Luke is putting this together and he says ancestry is a credential. I have to put it here. Holy Spirit says you want to put it right here in this order now. This is where we want it. Now, Matthew and Mark are going to do something different. That's okay. This is all the same story. This is what you're going to do, Luke. So he does. Doesn't make you the Messiah because you become from there, but apart from that genealogy and apart from that line, you can't be the Messiah unless he is in that genealogy in that way. Do you see that this credential carries great importance? And if he wasn't, they can't prove it. If it's not there in the records, strike him out. He is not the Messiah, he's false. That's as easy as it would have been. Do you ever see the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, do you ever see once in the Scriptures that they said, He can't be the Messiah because He didn't come from that, that lineage? Do you ever see that? Never. If they could have done that, they could have blown everything else away. That's how important this is. That's why it has to be here. Now, what's interesting, if you've read these, or if you're reading them right now and you're saying, Huh, I've always had difficulty with this. I believe the Word of God, but I'll tell you what, I have real difficulty with these genealogies, mainly because I can't pronounce the names. No. Uh, because they're not exactly alike. Matter of fact, there are a lot of names that are in Luke's that's not in Matthew, and then vice versa. And right at the top, it or the bottom, <laughs> you see, Luke is actually going back and Matthew actually goes forward from Abraham to, to the time of Jesus. Luke goes from present to the past. Matthew, from the past, Abraham, to the present, Jesus. So, no problem with that. Luke begins with Jesus and he moves to Adam. That's interesting there. 
Matthew is just going to go back to Abraham. And that's where he starts. Matthew traces the line only to Abraham because Matthew is writing primarily to who? Jews. And he's proving his kingship and that and such, but he's writing to Jews. Luke is writing to the whole world. Has a lot to say about it, so he's going to go back to who? Adam. He doesn't stop at Abraham as he goes back. He keeps going all the way to the son of Adam. And then Adam is the son of God. He's going all the way back to who? God. Adam, Son of God. You say, wait a minute, Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, but in, in that sense, we in, and, and I'll tell you that in a moment, what, what we're developing there, but Luke has a, a real universal approach here all the way through the book of Luke. Do you see this, the, the beauty of studying a book and keeping it in context? As you keep that together, we develop all this, and by the time we get to the end of the book, we have all of this stuff that's here that just kind of comes together, doesn't it? In the way that he presented it. So, he's dealing with humanity. And the, the term that is used for Jesus so much in Luke is the Son of Man. Humanity. Adam. Man. Matthew has basically three groups. It's interesting how they have it here. It's Don't make a big deal out of it. But there are three groups and there's 14 generations in each one. And by the way, um, it's okay. In that particular genealogy, it's alright. There's less names. And he takes 14 generations in each one. It's a great balance. Uh, would probably be easy to memorize if you have three groups, 14 generations in each one. He would have skipped some names. That's okay. He can do that. And you say, oh, skip names. Yeah. And he could have, and whenever it says son of, it definitely can, it's not specifically, you know, like Bob has a son, right? He's, the, you know, those boys there, see them? You know those guys make lotion on door? <laughs> They're the sons of Bob, right? But this word sons here is dealing with could be grandsons can even mean a relationship between an uncle and a nephew. That kind of thing. You know, they, they are from them. Uh, so that, that's the idea when it, when it says that. I'm not trying to make a, a big deal out of that at all. Not really, not at all. Luke has a lot more names. He has 11 groups and there's seven generations. So we have 77 names. So they have some kind of a systematic way. I can't really be dogmatic about it. Uh, I think it would definitely be easy for them to remember. And by the way, at the bar mitzvah, you would have uh, boys become men at 13 years old. And guess what? They memorized the Bible. They, the, the Pentateuch. They knew the law. And so, um, when you memorize things, it's nice to have certain things in some kind of order. could be something like that. Anyway, Matthew traces his genealogy through a son of David. Who was the most famous son of David? 
Solomon. Okay, that sounds right. But did you know that David also had a third son? Uh, His name was Nathan. Did you know that Luke uses David's son, Nathan, in his genealogy? Catch a hold of this. And we'll get a little more depth on this in, in a few moments. Luke uses Nathan, a son of David. Matthew uses Solomon, the son of David. Now, most of the names are not the same. When you start comparing these genealogies and you go, I don't see him, I don't see him, I don't see him, he's not there, he's not there. Between Joseph and David, both genealogies come together only at there are two names between and at starting at Joseph at the top, you know, Jesus' uh, legal father. And they trace it down, and none of those names even look familiar with the other, with Matthew, for instance, as Luke puts that forth. But two come in together, and that's Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. You'll see both of those there. And they live just after the Babylonian captivity. So they are there because that's where it starts, but it's, you know, as this shapes out, none of the other names in the period are the, the, that same. Um, and this is where I say, hang on here, hang on for a moment, because uh, we can get lost here real quick. But I will tell you this, and here's where it gets back to being real important. Matthew lists the father of Joseph. His name is Jacob. Now hang on to that. That's Mary's... Okay, you have Joseph, and, and he's the father of Joseph. Mary's husband, right? Joseph. Joseph is really not the physical father. We know that, right? Virgin birth, we already got into that. Luke lists him as a name Eli. You'll see that right in Luke 3, verse 23. As you know, It says that he was about 30 years of age, Jesus was, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Now when we say as supposed, it sounds like, well, that's what some people say. <laughs> You know, and and now now we have problems with that, right? Wait a minute, wait, wait. I thought Joseph married. Well, yeah, that, that's that's it. But really, he's not the physical father. But you have to start with him because he plays a key role in this, because he's married to Mary. Here's where you have to stay with me. Here, this is Mary's genealogy in the book of Luke, Matthew has a genealogy that is from Joseph. But Joseph is mentioned here. But this is Mary's genealogy. Is Mary mentioned in here? No. Matter of fact, in Luke's genealogy, have you, have you, you will not see a woman listed there. And legally, when you saw genealogies, the men's names were put there. Now, I know in Matthew, and he takes the liberty and he puts four women in there. That were you think of Gentiles and women? I mean, that's strike one, strike two. You know, I mean, you know, they're at. But in for the for uh, legal purposes here in Luke, no women names. And of course, there is a real reason for that. And so, 
as he develops this, um, I think what we're seeing here is when he, whenever he says that supposedly the son of Joseph, he's saying, okay, he's legal, legally the father Joseph is, and that's that's the one. But he says the son of Eli. Now, if you go back to Matthew, we're not going to pair all the rest of these names, and you can go. Whew, I'm glad of that, Dennis. If you take it all the way, remember in Matthew you have it the other way around. It's starting at Abraham and then goes all the way up to the time of Messiah. Now, you look at verse 16. Chapter 1, verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, which is the husband of Mary, right? And this is Joseph's... uh, uh, Yeah, this is Joseph's lineage. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, parentheses, by whom Jesus was born. Now, right off the bat, you boy, I'll tell you what, liberal people can have a field day with this. See, the Bible's not true. Because look at this. Jacob is the father of Joseph. You go over and look and it says, Eli is really the father of Joseph. Now, who's the grandpa? It's really easy. I'll tell you what. You start looking at a lot of commentaries and man, they will give you page after page after page different reasons, different ways what this means and when they all come down to the end of it, they say, and nobody knows. I'm going to be real bold and say, I think we've got this. I think we got it. You know what? You guys have two genealogies. You have a genealogy that comes from your father's side and I can tell you what, it's going to be different than your mother's side. And if it's not... You're from Arkansas. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> okay, I've got to regain my, my senses here. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> no, that, that's true. Uh, we, we all do. And that's why I say this is not, I don't think it's difficult at all. I think it's really simple. I think he's doing one from the mother's side and the other one from the father's side. And and we're going to try to build on that. I'm not just going to throw this out. Okay, we're showing differences right now. And there are. There are a lot of differences here. And glory be to God, because every time you see different gospel accounts, it always comes out true. But at first it looks like it's difficult. Uh, at least we can say it's there's difficulties with this. Well, yeah, yeah, there's difficulties. Does that mean there's an error? No. Why does Luke go back to Adam? Why does the genealogy of Luke goes all the way back to Adam? Matthew doesn't do that. He does Abraham. Abraham's a father of the Jews, right? Well, remember Matthew, the Jews, right? That's writing to. Matthew is doing that and he's showing Jesus' connection with Father Abraham. <clears throat> Luke stresses the importance to all the world, the Gentiles. <clears throat> I'm doing what I did Tuesday night. <clears throat> That's this is about the universality of the gospel. Jewish, Gentile, the gospel is open to all men. Jesus is not just the son of Abraham. More importantly, <clears throat> he's the son of Adam. Jesus is a son of Adam. Mm-hmm. 
Because He was man. He descended from, go all the way back, to Adam. That's humanity. Luke is so much about the humanity of Christ as well as the deity. So it's not about ethnicity here. Luke's point is is attaching Jesus to Adam. Stop at Abraham. He just keeps on going all the way back to Adam, the first man. Uh, Why does Luke... Okay, and we're going to come back to that. Why does Luke then insert the genealogy right here? Of course, that's kind of what we started with. We have the baptism, temptation. Matthew, Mark, that's what they do. I find the key in the surprising ending of the genealogy. Luke doesn't stop there with uh, the thought of just Adam. But he says Adam was the Son of God. That's interesting. If you look at verse 38, the very last verse, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Luke is going all the way back to the son of Adam, to the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. Yeah. Adam was created very uniquely. We didn't come into this world like Adam did, did we? I mean, that's a miraculous event. Well, of course, our births are too, but but they're natural because they happen every day. But it's still God who makes it, so that I don't take the miraculous aspect out of it, but and it's God doing that. He's the one that gives life. Speaking of that, you know, we have to think of abortion. and You think of genealogy here. Um, abortion is a wicked, man-made, evil thing, isn't it? That's in our time period. This is about life. And they, God is in sovereign control here as He goes through this. And so, people are going to be held very responsible for taking the lives of of people who didn't get a chance to get born into this world. By the way, life starts at conception. You know, I mean, that is where life is really at. Listening to Billy Graham's uh, son Franklin, and he said actually, Billy Graham was 99, but he said he was really 100 because if you take nine months with where he was at, he actually made it to 100 years old because his life already started. People are taking lives when they abort. We don't have that choice to make. And, uh, you know, I don't say a whole lot about that. I just know that I know what your guys' beliefs are, and, and I don't have to convince anybody here about that. That's a, that's a horrible thing, and it continues on. It's been on, in our lifetimes. You know, this, this has started and gone on. But here you have the first Adam. You have the second Adam. Are you getting something here? That Luke brings this out. 
Adam's sonship of God depends on the unique way that God brought him into the world. Jesus was brought into the world in a natural looking way, but it was really a miracle because the Holy Spirit planted the seed into Mary's womb. That was very unique, wasn't it? And unusual. Those are two of the most amazing births of any babies ever. The first Adam, the second Adam. And if you know anything about Paul, he wrote about the first Adam and the second Adam. You can think in Corinthians, you can think in chapter 15, or you can think in Romans, Romans chapter 5, where it talks about this second Adam. To stress that like Adam, Jesus was man. He was uniquely created by God and that therefore He is a new, a second Adam whose ministry will be to create and assemble a new race of humans. The sons of God who are believers in in Christ. And those people are the ones in the Old Testament, New Testament... And that's the Son of God, the Son of Man, the second Adam. So Luke really, I think, knew about this. I don't think it was just Paul who caught on to this later. I think Luke knows this. The second Adam, the first Adam, the second Adam. Of course, Bible critics, man, they could really have a field day with all of this. And as we look at it, we go, wow. This is amazing. What Their differences are there. It's not one is better than the other. We need both of these genealogies. Because we see Him coming from His mother's side and His, his earthly, not physical father's side, but it, Luke is tracing Jesus' line back to David through Nathan. The son of Nathan, the son of David. Uh, do you see that in Luke? I think it's in... Um, where do we have it here? Verse 31 maybe. Yeah, the son of Melia, the son of Minna, the son of Mathathai. Have you ever heard of any of these guys? The son of Nathan, the son of David. You go, well, I know about Solomon. David had other children and one of them is Nathan. Mary comes from the line of who? Nathan. Which is still the Davidic line, but... Luke is real specific as he hones in on this side from Mary. It's Mary's genealogy with her name not in it. Using Joseph, who the only reason that he's there is because he's married to Mary, and that makes him legal. And so he's a legal father, and that's why he's named. And Luke says, supposedly, as he says it in that vernacular, Is there any reason to doubt the accuracy of the Bible? Two different lines. You have one being all the people who came out of Solomon and then others came out of Nathan. And they're both the sons of David. Another thing, Matthew identifies with Jesus' grandfather as Jacob says Jesus' earthly father was Joseph and his father was Jacob. Luke says, and we pointed this out a while ago, that Jesus' grandfather's name is Eli. 
So Luke says Jesus' grandfather is H-E-L-I. You might have that too. Or E-L-I. It's the same, same person. you got two grandfathers of Jesus. And yes, I had two grandfathers. Did, did any of you guys have two grandfathers? It's not that difficult, is it? Both are royal lines. That's what's interesting. They both come from David. Very simple. You have two genealogies. No problem. Now I make this this really makes it a little more understandable. You'd be amazed how people just struggle with this and ex- try to explain it, give you mumble jumble, and you read for pages and pages. Ah, that's enough. I'm not going to tell this to you guys. You guys would have long been walking out of here by now and saying, "I'm going out and playing in the snow." This is an and, and I hope you you know you haven't I haven't lost you yet. Um, like I said, but I'm not apologizing for God's word for anything. Okay. <laughs> so we get it, right? We trace all the way back to David, and he has two sons, two two grandfathers that were involved too to trace back. So anybody who ascended to the throne would have to come through that line. They'd get the legal right to the throne if other things come into place, right? Um, descendant of David, he can be king legally. And that's why this genealogy is here. That's why Luke goes to the trouble. They, they could not prove that he didn't come from there. Of course, that's how they were taxed. That's why they went to Bethlehem. He can be king naturally through Mary. He can be king legally through Joseph. Isn't that amazing? How many people would have been able to come up with this? And then when you look at it, you go, wow, this is not that overwhelming. Look what God did in showing all these different names, and He's not wrong, and He puts it there, and He shows physically, through Mary, legally, He's king through Joseph. The credentials are clear. (coughs) You can add these credentials with all the other previous credentials that we have seen. Does that make you feel at ease the next time somebody says, yeah, you ever seen those genealogies? How can you believe that God's Word is true? Whatever. They can't even get those right. They can't agree. Luke is different from Matthew. He can say, yeah, absolutely. He is different. He's got a lot more names. And you want to know something? I can tell you why. Do you have two grandfathers? Huh. Oh, I never thought of that. Hmm. Jesus is the only person qualified to be the Messiah. The prophecies. There are like over 300 dealing with Him coming, right? Or all in the Old Testament, you know, His coming, and of course you think of His death, burial, resurrection, His ascension, you know, His coming back, all of that. You know, you look at all those prophecies and they're all true. And then people say, uh, God's Word, ha! Huh. It's not accurate. How can you believe that? The records were completely destroyed in 70 A.D., but we have the records right here in Scripture, don't we, for what we need. No one after Jesus can ultimately claim David's throne. It's all in Christ. We don't have that line that goes back to Nathan or Solomon, which goes to David, 
70 AD, they were all burned up. They're gone. They're not there anymore. Fascinating. Don't need them. Christ fulfills all. So therefore, you don't have a candidate after the time of Christ. There were others that came along, said they were Jesus, you know, and they made claims, and they could jump off a building and fly, and so they'd jump off a building and poof, and that was it for them. Uh, nobody can make those claims that Jesus did, and then to come back to life. Nobody had ever done that previously. Did anybody ever in Jewish history before Jesus came? Did anybody ever claim in legitimate uh, historical prophetic truth? In the writings of the Jews, did they, do you ever see where there was a Messiah that had already come? Not at all. Nobody would ever be a fool to say that. After that time, people made claims, but they never could back up any of those prophecies and, and have the genealogy and such. Jesus is the only person that qualified to be the Messiah. There's going to be one coming that's going to fool people it's going to be called the anti-Messiah or the Antichrist. Jesus is the only person qualified to be the Savior. Matthew focuses on the Messiah of Israel by tracing the genealogy back to who? Abraham. Luke has a different purpose. He wants to show that Jesus is the unique Son of Man and Son of God, Savior of all people. And so that's what he presents here. He traces Jesus' genealogy back to not only Abraham, but all the way back to Adam, to God. Adam was directly created by God. Not only does this argue for a literal Adam, right? A literal Adam, it's there. It's in the genealogy and he's mentioned in other places. Jesus mentions him and Paul mentions him. Here, Luke links Jesus with all of humanity because we all come from Adam, don't we? Jesus was linked to Adam. Him being the second Adam, he's not only the Savior of the Jews, but He's also the Savior of the world. Abraham was the father of the Jews. That was like 2,000 years somewhere possibly after Adam. Before that, there weren't Jews. So that's like all of humanity. Adam, man. So He's the Son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, the son of man, the son of God, the son of Abraham, the son of David, right? Think of some of these. These are great names that stick out. We have some names here that are not famous that we've never even read before. If we have read, we go, I can't even pronounce it. But they're important. And you know what? We have an eternity. We'll have plenty of time to probably run into one of these guys and say, Hey, <laughs> you the guy that's in that genealogy? I don't know. Possible. I think that'd be pretty cool though to we're gonna you know, we're gonna meet all these guys. Well hey, I want to get their autograph. 
You know what this shows? He's the sovereign over all the universe. Over all of human history. God's timing is not our timing. Did you see how each one of the... They were born in the specific time that they needed to be born. Why did God wait for all those thousands of years before He sent the angel Gabriel to Mary about Jesus being the Savior? Many generations lived and died before Jesus was born. Right? 4,000 years? Give or take a year or two. There were... Four centuries where God was silent before Jesus came. There were all these oppressors of God's people. I said, why did God let this happen? God gave details of all of this history. Even gave details to what would happen during those 400 years. Some details that would happen with Alexander the Great. You look at the book of Daniel. And there it is. Jesus comes on the scene. It's like about 30 years old, it says here. He could have been qualified to become sooner if he wanted to. But interesting that it's David assumed the throne when he was 30 years old. When the priest in Israel entered into their duties, according to Numbers 4, they were 30 years old. John the Baptist starts his ministry at 30 years old and Jesus starts his ministry at somewhere around 30 years old. There's something to that, isn't there? There's that maturity that that happens there. We finish off with this. Dennis, okay, i got a lot of biblical facts today. I really didn't get a whole big package here to take home to what does this mean to my life. What do you think? Do you think there's any... Thing we can take home. Uh, what do we call that? Practicality? Is there any practicality here? Uh, did we just waste our time by looking at this? I don't think we did. Maybe the way that I said it, I might have wasted your time. But if we're looking at God's Word and the power that's there, we go, well, there's something to this. Okay. What we have here is this is about Jesus. We live in a hostile world today. Hostile times. Troubles happen. Troubles may increase. May not necessarily uh, decrease. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they seem like they increase. The hope of the believer is in the return of Jesus Christ. We just looked back at... Kind of dealing with his birth all the way back to all the way back to Adam, and then even before that, Son of God, or creation even. The one thing that we have is is a hope of the return of Christ, and if God is this accurate in bringing out details and people's names who played a part in the way that Jesus would come and be perfectly on time through the genealogy of Mary who was from the Davidic line and also Joseph who was from the Davidic line going all the way back to David and then all the way back to Adam and then to God. If God can do that and He sustained these people to make sure that the Messiah would come through and be born in the way that He did, 
He sustained all these people. And you look at Hebrews 11, you get the story there. By faith, they trusted in God. When they didn't see the things that were happening, we know that we can live our lives and through our present trials, however short our lives may be, however long our lives may be, that we will have our troubles. And you look at all the stories of most of the people that we know about in here, and every one of them have difficulties in this life. I'm going to get real practical here. And you see sin in their lives. It's open before everybody. You can think of David. You can think of Abraham. Right? You can think of just everybody in here has a, if they have any kind of story at all, it's, it's going to stick out somewhere along the line because man is man. We see the trials and the troubles and of course some of them really stick out more than others. You can think of Job, right? David had plenty of trials and troubles and he had a man after him to, that tried to kill him for years. And family troubles and everything that went with that. But I'm here to say no matter how short, how long, how trouble-filled our lives may be and what we're going through, here's what I want you to take home because of what we have just seen in this. We have a purpose beyond this life that we're living in this little short time span that we live and beyond our grave because we can share in the great cause of Jesus Christ. He is the unique Son of God. Man, related to Adam, the unique Son of God, and the unique Savior of the world. That's where all that goes back. It goes back to God before the foundation of the world. Luke just wrapped it up. The Son of Adam. Jesus goes back to the Son of Adam. He was related to Him. Are you marveling? I'm awed. To have the audacity, Luke, to say that Jesus is related to Adam, Adam is the one that caused the sin that we battle with. That's right. But there is a Savior. The unique Son of God. We're sons of God in that we're adopted. But He is God who saves people from their sins. If you've been chosen by Him, you have been saved from God. You've been saved from death, hell, Satan. Saved from sin to God because of the Savior of the world, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, what a unique section that You have provided for us for all to see. It is for all of mankind. They're all responsible for knowing this section that shows that Jesus is related to Adam. But He's also God. And everyone is accountable for their lives, for their sin, the nature of sin. They are accountable to this holy God who is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we take of this communion, may we ponder upon this 
bread of life, this vine that we drink from. Thank You for putting us into this life story, the story of God. We are on this stage also and presented at the very precise time. And what You're doing in our lives is no accident. You're working it for Your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. prayer I gave you the introduction to the Lord's Supper. to have us be thinking in this uh, communion with the Lord about some scriptural things that we can reflect on and uh, they tie in with what the pastor was preaching here today right at the end there and uh, these are uh, readings from our Lord's lips uh, out of the Gospel of John, uh, chapters 6 and then 15. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, the manna from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is our Son of Man that we have been hearing about today.
And then in chapter 15 of John, related to the, the juice in the communion, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. The joy of the vine. The fruit of the Amen. And all the people say, Amen. Amen. It's the Lord talking. The bread of life. And the fruit of the vine. <clears throat> Maybe we could sing the joy of the Lord. Can you start us out? <laughs> the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Man from heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it kind of looked like the flakes, didn't it? Back in the desert. I think it's supposed to keep doing that till what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I was watching one of the science shows, and they said that they were talking about water and ice, how water becomes ice. The way water becomes ice is the impurities that are in the water actually cause crystallization. The water itself, if it were completely pure, 
would not freeze. freeze. Yeah, it won't freeze. Okay. Except they have Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it has impurities. Have something to hang on to. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's made that way, you know, that it has impurities that create the crystallization. Wow. So the dirty water, I guess, is necessary to solidify. Molecules to be able to freeze. Yeah. Substance. Pure water cannot freeze. It doesn't matter. And then there's the water that can burn. You know, uh, it, there's actually water that can ignite. Yeah, there's something about the chemistry there that makes it can actually burn. You remember uh, how? God burned the water around the altar. Yeah. So there might be something to his, you know, his chemistry. But I was thinking about that when I think about fire burning. I mean, water burning. Well, we only had three today. That's good. Yeah. Julia and Carrie why wouldn't you be up there, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I shouldn't be. I'm going to go ahead and go down there and see, if, uh, see how muddy that is. I'm very disappointed. I thought I had it. They sent me a letter and said, I was going to get $350 a week. What I'm saying is, I do. Well, the thing is, see, they said we will accept your Anyway, as soon as our interview is over, I kind of remember a couple people all the things too. Yeah, I feel like that's my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she ever tell you why, how the name was given to her, or? Um, she just, her parents just wanted different She has two younger sisters, and uh, one name is Calliope, and uh, the other is uh, Dahlia. Dahlia. But I think it's really cool, you know, like, that's, those are really unique and 
yeah. fresh, they're fresh sounding. Yeah. Always then with an unusual name. Well, if you have a good reputation, it's yeah. good. But if you have a bad one, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't yeah. <laughs> There ain't nobody with that name that hangs around here. Right. You must be, yeah. So I always hope you have a good reputation if you have an unusual name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that name for the rest of my life. Okay. So, how did y'all do yesterday? Did you think you're a bunch of weirdos? No. It's kind of really she, strange for her. She yeah. 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 Um, no, she was actually, she was in one of her best moods I've ever seen her in. She's a very moody person. She, she goes through a lot of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah, but, uh, but it was just, it was really nice to see that because I thought she'd be very nervous. Yeah, I think at first she was a little bit, she was a little bad. So it's probably good, like, met her at Chipotle, but she'd never been yeah, and I and I, I had told her about that before, and, and I was like, I know you've never been there before, um, so she was like, well, hey, it's your birthday, like I'll do it, you know, for you, and I'm like, that's good, like I'm I'm glad she was, yeah. so um, and and I've tried a lot of her stuff, like she really likes sushi, and she likes Chinese food, so yeah, so so I've never really been to a lot of restaurants, but. Uh, She's taking me to Hunan, <laughs> and that's, that's, I love that place, like, we've, been, we've gone there a couple times, and it's, it's fantastic, but I was a little worried of how she'd like it, but she liked it, she, she thought it was okay. She probably, uh, most people, I think they think of restaurant, they think of large venue stuff to pick yeah, yeah. instead of, and that's what Chipotle is just about, very six or seven ingredients yeah. that you just make up in different ways, right. and stuff like that, so, but yeah. Like smaller menu, most people like yeah. making choices. Like, well, you don't yeah, like beans, you don't like rice, and you don't like, yeah, salsa. Yeah, <laughs> it might not be the place for right, you. Yeah, right. yeah, it's very, yeah, it's unusual, and that's what they say. But knowing about restaurants, so many of them don't make it because their menu's too vast, and then uh -huh. food spoils, and they can't keep all those ingredients around. So that's why places like McDonald's exist because they have this is what they're going to have. Yeah, and places like then. You know, Chipotle and a few other grills are calling those. They're limited uh -huh. on the food that they're going to carry there. This is right. what we make, yeah. And stuff like that. So, which can be upsetting to some people. Or, like, I know, uh, particularly at Chipotle, I see when little kids get in there and they go. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they go, yeah. They're beans, right? French fries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just like limited. One of her, she has, she's a very picky eater. Yeah, that doesn't offer you a lot of options. Yeah, so, but she, she means, yeah. That's growing up maturity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, some don't, and they don't, and people go, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But I, I was actually really, really impressed with how she, how she handled it. And that's why yeah, so that's something to make her out of her comfort zone. No, it's kind of good. It's kind of a good test. Yeah, to see, exactly. Uh, I like 
I do little texts with her because I'm trying to figure out how committed she would be or just how interested. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure no church life at all that you're she, aware of. She's gone to church. It's all Catholic church, so that's what she's used to. She's used to uh, all that. And she's asked me questions about the differences and, and uh, yeah, bass. But for her, she tries. She tries to. To compare it, yeah. you know, and but I, I'm I try to stress that it's, it's the same. I know why you think it's the same or it would be the same, but it's not the same, you know. Yeah, I would go with her that. Yep, there are a lot of Protestant churches that could yeah. look like a Catholic church setup. Yeah, and yeah. since they so you know a Presbyterian would be. Like, you, you know, R.C. Sproul. Yeah. yeah. They would be, you know, because it's called a high, it's called a high church. And that's what that is. And that's a very funny, all the, yeah, like that. Uh, but do you know which one she went to? Uh, yeah, um, there's one by her house. Uh, she lives on Western Air Drive. Yeah, St. Joe's. I think it's St. Joe's. St. Joe's is a little bit more contemporary. They don't have all okay. the ornate, yeah. gothic. Yeah. They're your most contemporary type looking mm -hmm. Catholic church. Yeah. And stuff like that's around here. So that should so she's not used to seeing a lot of the extra thrills. No, no, yeah. She was like she was like this is all yeah, tech you know, she's like, Oh technology, you know, with with, with church is kind of different for her. Yeah, they would know. be the most liberal Catholic church. Okay. Would be St. John's yeah. Cathedral. Okay. Yeah. The traditions don't show up as much. Yeah. Um, and they do, I knew that I have had relatives that go there that have been spirit filled with Oh, really? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> A lot of them come from that. Yeah, they'll be the most liberal minded Catholics. Yeah. They won't be like the town. I guess it goes traditional. So. But they would compare themselves to, like in St. Louis, because you can never have the churches in St. Louis, depending on what fill you want. Like they saw me and carry the traditional, not really. Yeah, but they'll be the most more contemporary. Oh, well, that might be. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Man, you grab, yeah, you grab some spiritual. Took it to the dark side. <laughs> but anyway, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, that born yeah. about being born again and stuff like that. So they have the experiences and yeah. uh, most Catholics do come and they do go towards the charismatic church because they like that supernatural, mystical yeah. type of, you know, flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I know though she, she, she's felt like she's been shunned by the Catholic Church because of like, like she didn't go to Catholic school, so like, she's been looked down, like her parents didn't like do that for her, and so um, she said like when she was in the church, they were all, they always like bothered her about that, you know, like why didn't you go to Catholic school, like, like, um, it's like they expected. Was she, was she a part of, um, 
like the church activities there? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure. I know she's taking classes and like like different classes about also like relationships. Like if if you should be single or you should be with someone. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know there's been like some some sort of activity she's done, but she always felt like she was an outsider. They like treated her differently for some reason. Okay. Yeah. But I don't, yeah. I don't know the specifics. Right. It's like she. No, no. It's like they go. You know, they went like. You know, when Ash Wednesday happened recently, they went, but she didn't. Um, and. Uh, I'm trying to understand the philosophy. Yeah, yeah, I, I am too. I'm like, it's. I'm trying to figure out exactly. All right. What her parents because as a Catholic, I mean, I would say, well, they'll let her do all this, yeah. but then they do say you got to go because that's a that's a mortal sin. Yeah. she attended church. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think she used to, but as she's gotten older, it's like her parents gave her that responsibility that if you want to go, it's, mm-hmm. it's up to you. So she's. Hasn't been going, but I don't think they go either. Both of them have been raised Catholic. Usually that would be unusual. Yeah, I think they. I think they were. No, Catholicism or because usually Catholics aren't that. They hang on to those old roots, real tight in there. But yeah, it's it's like they're liberal Catholic. Like I don't, I don't get it. You know, they're the new Catholic. Yeah. It's like she'll she'll mention Catholicism when it comes to um, you know what she was raised with. Or, you know she she holds on to like. That's something she's got to compare. Yeah. And it's like she holds on to what I don't know like her her parents' principles. You know that and then but she's I don't know like. Challenging that sometimes. Yeah, or, of course, I was thinking uh, about his baptism. Well, do you ever. Con- sometimes I see a contradiction with her. Have you, know? you ever yeah. had a chance right. to talk to her about yeah. the history of the church? So, that might be your best um, explanation. Some, like, you know, I, I've. She's mentioned, you know, how. Uh, Protestantism, you know, came in, came into view. Like she knows some of the history. And I've, I've joked with her. I'm like, yeah, you're on the other side of of, the, of history. You know, like from where you know where I'm at. Um, Extremely. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you're almost per- forbidden to meet somebody the same era with these pictures. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but also, um, I've I've mentioned to her this, uh, that she'll. Uh, you know, I say we're non-denominational, but I say that we're reformed. Oh, I'd say we're reformed. Yeah, so yeah. like, but, so she tries to figure that out in, in her mind, you know, but like, she has not the right perception of what, you know, we are. I don't think she, she knows, you know. Yeah. So the Spirit of the Lord, then there's it going to really open her mind to see the difference. Yeah. Because, I mean, Okay, um, like I, said, I, I think uh, history, church history, will be your best mm-hmm. interest for her right. to understand as much as she can. Yeah. 
and stuff like that. And don't be afraid to mention to her that I'm an Yeah, no, I, I've thought about that because I know a lot of people here are, you know, raised. And I, I thought that could actually actually help. Either her. that'll go for against. Yeah, that'll either right. go. Oh, you're trying to pull me away from my church, which yes. dig in if the enemy, you know, has mm -hmm. said. Or it does just the opposite, as in stated in the way that yeah, the there's a freedom. So that, yeah. You know, a God, God kind of <laughs> chooses his own people from wherever they're from. Yeah. Type thing like that. Like I said, there's some people to, I would never I, say I that like to for a long, long time, tell them who I am. Mm -hmm. But then there's others, it's an encouraging thing yeah. that you make. Don't let anything you were raised in particular tell you that it was, that they had it all figured out. Yeah. But you know, like I say, the right like, time, she's like, oh, I'm like, you know, we're so different and go, you know, I don't know if we really are because a lot of people Right, in a in a, just a passive simple, way. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You know, just a simple if you know those traditions start barking at her, you know, like just did well, you know, like that. It's just a really enjoying being able to see all the rivers. And just kinda say it that away, so it's like yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see her reaction. Just kind of a. So it's, to me, it's not that unusual to watch people to look for a personal relationship, no matter what their background is. Is where I would take her. Yeah. Now that I've got Well, and you know, I've I've mentioned to her. I don't know. I wanted to bring her today, but I was really tired this morning, and I was like, I don't. I'm not. I, we spent a lot of time yesterday, and I was like, I don't want to. You know, push it or anything, but I've I've mentioned to her constantly about inviting her and um, and even with the Bible study. And every time I tell her, she's like, "I'd like that. I, that that makes me feel important that you would ask me to." Mm -hmm. But you take this relationship serious. Yeah, and, and that might be what you will have to um, do. Is a said. I need you, you know to come to our, and so, so it's not like a date. Yeah, right. But I need you to come to our fellowship because I want you to see what I understand, what I believe, and yeah. you yeah. to begin and say so we can see if this relationship can go anywhere. Right, right. And that you know. And and I talked to her about you know how serious she is. You know, like because I want to know like, what is she thinking and. Um, She's, Sorry, she yeah, don't know. She don't know. No, she doesn't know. And we we actually we went to Runge Nature Center yesterday um, after because I just wanted to walk and have like a peaceful mm -hmm. time. Yeah, a little alone. Yeah, something, kind of something, but not just sitting there staring yeah. at the right, yeah. right, yeah. But uh, but and we we sat down at one point and I was I was telling her I was like you know I just want you to know that this isn't funny games to me. You know, like what we're Looking doing. For, uh, yeah. True relationship. Right. Yeah. And and uh, I wasn't expecting her to say anything. I mean, we were about to. Yeah. I was like, okay, hey, let's go back. Yeah. It's kind of getting cold. Yeah. Right out, and, of, the, um, right out of the scripture. She was like, so. she like kind of yeah, stopped anyway, me. She was I, like, well, you I know, know, I'm, I'm uh, doing some personal. Right now, I can't say that. She said she didn't. She doesn't know what she wants. Like, yeah, uh -huh. and she's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know what I want. 
do with my life, you know, like career-wise, and, and all, all these, yeah, all these, and, you know, and I know she thinks about these things a lot, just, uh, she's only 17, yeah, yeah, so she's going to be 18 in May, she graduated? No, she's a, yeah, she's going to, right in high school, yeah, she's like a senior, oh, okay, that, okay, okay, that explains some immaturity and development, oh, yeah, yeah, and, and I totally realized that, and I told her, and I didn't want to, I don't want to sound condescending when I tell her that, like, I know yeah. you're, you're young, you know, it's like, yeah, you're just figuring out what you want yeah. And, and she says she's been a couple of years, yeah, where the, the guy was like, you have to be fully committed, and I let her know, I was like, we're just figuring it out, yeah, like, I, and of course, like, I would like like that, but what that I'm not gonna make mm -hmm. you. You know, I'm not like gonna. You can't. You cannot be in love with the idea of being in a relationship. Yeah, you have to be in love with the idea of having a relationship with that person. Yeah. Right. And that right. for at that age, for 17 years as well. And if you want to know that, we don't know that. But then when you sit there, it's like don't want to hear just love because you think this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't have a significant other. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like, or is it just kind of a random thing? You guys just kind of make it as friends, and you realize, like, oh, I think I want more yeah. of this relationship. Yeah. yeah, and stuff like that. Just like I said, it's just learning. You're just learning each other and stuff like that. So, yeah. And like I said, 17 for her. That's, yeah, that maturity is not quite there yet right. for her, but that's what she's trying to figure out, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that's what you give it, like I say. Dennis was seventeen and and six years difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but stuff like that though. All the different intricacies are reminded just a little simple. Yeah. Well, that's something that I I caught on with her when I first met her and we started hanging out. I told her this before, like, you, you don't remind me of a usual 17 year old. And because she. She wants a job, you know, like she, well, she was at Panera, and then she had a bad experience there with the manager, so she quit. Yeah, those guys. But, it's, but like she's uh, like, oh, I, I want a job. So like she, she has a responsibility like in her mind, you know, like things that you need you know, to do. It's, uh, and she, yeah. it's not. Uh, I've hung out with some of her friends, the, uh, and they're like, I feel like she doesn't fit in. You know, she doesn't like because she she thinks about things that they're just playing around. Serious minded about things. Yeah. And, and I respect that about her. I told her that. She's in her senior year, right? Yeah. yeah. As old as so, yeah. Is that yeah. she's still in a weekend job? Yeah, yeah. She was only working yeah. weekends. Like, she would wake up like at 4 30. Yeah, and like work like, work like eight hours. Don't work in donut shops and bread shops. Unless you just like being up early, you know, away from people. And she said she's been applying everywhere, but no one wants to hire a seven. But uh, well, yeah. no, there's um, Hobby Lobby and places like that yeah. that they want the regular work that workers do not. Well, we would love yeah. it. Our store to have somebody that wants. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's what I already know about that. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, people that like just want fill-in work, like they might work Friday night and Saturday night. Hobby Lobby's closed on Sunday, so it's yeah. good, but like I said, they'll pull more hours than you, and then they might even want to pull her in when they're 
right now yeah. they're probably that's, really that's busy. Gonna be they're like broths, you know, seasonal yeah, stuff like that. Right. But they might. That might be a place just to yeah, This one back. I, I heard uh, some place that was part time. I thought, where did I sit? Oh, yeah. like, that would be a bad place to work. Heard so the I men's like, choir, you know, at uh, uh, Grace yeah. Theater. Oh, uh, yeah. Kato's and, down uh, here. Okay. Kato's totally okay. okay. has a but sign of the you know, some of the sales and some of the stuff we did. Of course, ours are a little bit. 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 Of course, we don't have the, what, the 2,000 men. Okay, all right. That's kind of a better place to work than food service. Yeah. Still there. Same. I think she's. That was that, they, they had a good uh, hours, so she might be able to do three days there, I guess. After. Yeah, no, I think they're until nine o'clock at night. Okay. So that would give her some night. after school, yeah. then maybe, yeah. Right. Yeah, tell her Kate. But uh, you okay. know, it was I almost like. Pretty. I mean, you're hanging clothes. Yeah. They were doing the same stuff that yeah. I've always yeah. heard them do. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they're, uh, they're going to do. As a matter of fact, I think they even work with each other because Lawson was doing a text that was, mm-hmm. I think, was it must have been out of Galatians. It was time for MacArthur to set on closed out. MacArthur even said something like, like, I think, like, uh, he was, as he was listening to Lawson, he was just really, he was just coming up no, all the verses, she just, she says, oh, please don't only, take that. It all been covered, you know, I'm like, okay, it's still on the thunder, huh? Yeah, no kidding. But the word is always, some kind of care, type thing like that, though. But yeah, I thought Cato's was always looking for her down there, so. Okay.